Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. God bless you this morning. Welcome to The Daily Word with Ben Dixon. Uh, I am the pastor of Northwest Church and also the director of Ignite Global Ministries. And it's my honor to be with you today and to share some time in the Word of God. And so if you feel comfortable sharing this, liking this, that'd be great. We'd love for more people to join in and be able to hear from the Word, but also study the Word uh, together today. Now, here's what I'm going to be doing. Basically, every single day, what I do is I read the scriptures that are based on the OSL reading plan. And if you're from Northwest Church, you've probably seen these before. And what these are, these are bookmarks that we've created that go through the New Testament twice and the Old Testament once in a year. And so if you've never read all the way through the Bible, uh, I want to encourage you to do that. In fact, it's, it's part of my agenda is to make sure that everybody goes through the Word of God uh, every year because I believe that there's something that you can't learn or there's it's hard for us to learn from the Word without a certain kind of familiarity. And so I believe as we build the familiarity of God's Word, what we're going to find is that um, our lear- the momentum of our learning over the years just sort of picks up. Like there are things that as I read through the Word today that um, I never would understand if I didn't have this foundation that I'm reading daily of God's word. And so I've read Deuteronomy 21 and 22 many times, right? And so it doesn't mean that I've always gleaned something from it, but by the fourth time or the 10th time or the 12th time, I've, I've got this overall general understanding of God's word as a whole, and it helps me to pick up pieces that I otherwise would not pick up. And so this is why one of the fundamental principles of knowing the Bible is not just about going deep on one passage, but it's about understanding how we can go deep in one passage. It's that we have to have a basic familiarity with God's word. And that just takes a long period of time. And like I said, there are things now that I'm reading that I never saw last year. And the reason is because every year that I'm reading and studying the Word of God, it builds on itself. And there are questions that I have today that I didn't have last year or the year before. There are things that I think this year, based on my reading of Luke 6 and versus my reading of Deuteronomy 21 and 22. And so what I want to share with you today is, first of all, I just want to read, um, I'm going to read select passages of our readings Today, we're looking at Deuteronomy 21 and 22 and 2 Corinthians 13. I would like to simply just start by reading out of Deuteronomy chapter 21. And if you do not know the story of Deuteronomy, at this point, just the basic understanding is that God in the book of Exodus, we know he has delivered his people, the nation of Israel, out of Egypt where they were enslaved for what most scholars believe is about 400 years. Now we see miracles, signs, and wonders performed by the hand of God in delivering his people out of their captivity and into the wilderness. Now, while they're in the wilderness for about 40 years, they are receiving and understanding the promise that God gave to their ancestors, which was this land that was flowing with blessing or milk and honey, as the Bible says. 
And so there's this long-awaited promise that the, the, that generation did not possess or fully understand, and God was reminding them of what he had promised to their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so now Israel is receiving of that promise. God is trying to separate them from their polytheistic mindset, their slavery mindset that they had for those 400 years in Egypt. So this 40 years in the wilderness is a lot of instruction. Um, It's a lot of, I would say, deliverance. Deliverance was not just physical, but God also wanted to bring them to a different mindset. He wanted to bring them to a new spiritual condition. And that required an incredible amount of exchange in the wilderness. And so now in Deuteronomy, Moses, because of what we read about in Numbers, is not going to bring the people of Israel into the promised land. He's actually going to remain behind and there's a point where he dies and Joshua succeeds him. So Deuteronomy is basically like his uh, this final calling to or final conversation to the people of Israel. It's reminding them of many of the laws that he's already actually spoken over them and spoken to them. And and so it's kind of like um, a reminder. It's also a furthering of the commands of the Lord. Um, it's instruction that when they actually inherit the promised land, how they're to behave, how they're to believe, how they're to, how they're actually to inherit the land and steward the land. And so this is a su- super important for those people. And also what we read about is um, the reminders of the laws and the practicality that they are to steward is so vital, I think, even for us today. And I think we're going to see that in Deuteronomy chapter 21. And so Moses' dissertation to the to the to this new generation, they were children when they were delivered out of the uh, out of captivity to Egypt. And now as they've been, as they've grown up, as they've been raised up, they're about to go and inherit this promise and dispossess the people in the promised land. And as they do that, Moses wants to share with them several things. So I'm not going to be able to share everything with you, but let's go ahead and read Deuteronomy 21, one through nine to start. And here's what it says. If a slain person is found lying in the open country in the land, which the Lord your God gives you to possess, and it is not known who has struck him, then your elders and your judges shall go out and measure the distance to the cities, which are around the slain one. It shall be that the city, which is nearest to the slain man, that is the elders of that city shall take a heifer of the herd which has not been worked and has not pulled in a yoke. And the elders of that city shall bring the heifer down to the valley with running water which has not been plowed or sown and shall break the heifer's neck there in the valley. Then the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come near for the Lord your God has chosen them to serve him and to bless in the name of the Lord. And every dispute and every assault shall be settled by them. All the elders of that city, which is nearest to the slain man, shall wash their hands over the heifer whose neck was broken in the valley, and they shall answer and say, Our hands did not shed this blood, nor did our eyes see it. Forgive your people Israel, whom you have redeemed, O Lord, and and do not place the guilt of the innocent, the innocent blood in the midst of your people Israel, and the blood guiltiness shall be forgiven them. So you shall remove the guilt of innocent blood from your midst when you do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. Now, a lot of times, you know, we don't, I don't know if you, when you read this, if you, if we fully understand what's um, actually happening here, but here's basically this scenario. 
This is in a current context, but when they go in and they dispossess the people and they receive their inheritance, they actually ascribe allotments of land to each tribe. Each person's gonna get a measure of that land. When they live in that land, God actually teaches them a certain way to live. And one of those issues that they're gonna face, obviously, and this is just a way of justice that God teaches, he specifically talks about how they are to handle a situation where a person there's an unsolved murder, um, and that's something that they're going to face, right? So a person's not going to fess up. In fact, this is the only place where you find this law in the entire Pentateuch, and we're talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. There's not another place where you will find um, this passage, and this was a way, a prescription of serving justice for the victim and the victim's family when the the perpetrator, the murderer, was not revealed or did not come forth or there was no witness to prove who this person was. And this was also a way of bringing resolve to the community where such an atrocity was actually committed. The elders of the town closest to the to the crime. And I, actually when you read some ancient documents, they would they would measure within three miles of a radius around this the murder, the murder scene. And they would go to the closest city, like it says here in the scripture, and they would tell the elders what, is, what has happened. And the requirement, and this is, in the, this is the people of Israel, the requirement was for those elders to come out and take a cow, take a heifer that had never had a yoke, it was never put to work. And they were to break the neck of that heifer right there. They were to actually make a sacrifice at the spot of that murder. And there were two things that were happening. Number one, they were actually showing how serious this really was. There was a crime committed here. There was a murder committed here that is going without justice. And so they, in breaking the neck of the heifer and killing the heifer at the same spot, they are basically, it speaks of the seriousness of the crime that has happened there. And there's almost like an accountability that, that transpires when this occurs. And they're making a sacrifice at the very spot or the very scene of the murder. And in so doing, they're taking responsibility as a community. Now, this is something that I think we don't often, um, we don't often realize um, is so far from sometimes how we are as a society is that we don't take responsibility for what happens in our community. We don't take responsibility for what happens down the street, the atrocities. We can become very numb. I don't know about you, but we read the paper and even in our own cities, these terrible things happen. And instead of taking responsibility and at least making a sacrifice of intercession and coming before God, owning the people, this city, this place, realizing that we're one of another, we're humankind, like we are connected to each other. Instead of doing that, what we do is we distance ourselves from not only the, the, the criminal, as it were, but the crime itself. And these elders did nothing wrong, but they were to take responsibility for their community. And isn't that an amazing, isn't that an amazing um, system that God set up for community? This, I think we've, we've come a long way from, from this. And so they would make a sacrifice on the spot. Additionally, the elders would wash their hands after offering the sacrifice, meaning that they now were free of the guilt. And I think this is uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about is, about three or four blocks down the street from where I live, which is also three or four blocks down the street from our church, Northwest Church, there's a, 
there was a shooting on April 20th, that, that was last week, and you may have watched the video that I did based on this, but a 19-year-old young man, and, and literally the next day was his birthday, he was turning 20, his name was Damien. Um, he was shot and killed right in front of the Federal Way, Westway Community Center. And if you go out there right now, I did a little video, you can look back on it in, on my page and see that there's a memorial that's right outside there with flowers and candles and whatnot. But at 10.30 p.m., he was shot and killed. Um, there's literally no evidence for the crime as to suggest who did this or who killed this. There's no motive. There's nothing right now. I've done my research and I've tried to find out what we can. And I've been driving, I drove by for two days and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to pull into the parking lot and I want you to sit there and pray. And so I did that. I actually pulled into the parking lot and I sat there for a little bit and I prayed and then I, I went live, not because I wanted anybody to see, but I just wanted to own something for our community. That's three blocks from my house. It's, it's three, four blocks from our church. I, I live a mile from the church, my family and I do. And um, I hadn't read this verse, I mean, in a year and I hadn't thought about it, but I just realized like I, in my heart, the law is written on my heart. Isn't that amazing? And I was like, I gotta go to this spot. I gotta go to this place. And, and I'm not gonna make a sacrifice, but a sacrifice of intercession before God, owning the responsibility of our community that this young man had his life taken. And you know what I decided? The Lord led me to, uh, and, and by the way, I'm sharing all this because I believe as I read this this morning, I'm like, this is literally in the law of the Lord. This is, this, is, this is what God told the people of Israel to practice. And I think we've just come so far as a community from this kind of stuff. And so I'm just so thankful that as the law is written on our hearts, the Holy Spirit is leading us. And we want to lean in to how he's leading us because you never know. It might actually be spelled out right here in the word of God. And we kind of read it as something that has happened. We read it as something that... Israel did when they came into the promised land, but that's, we're, that's connected to you and I today. The Torah is so valuable and so vital to us, and we don't often see that, which you're going to actually, we're going to read about here um, in just a moment in Deuteronomy 22, even more so. But I, um, I felt the Holy Spirit wanted me to do more than just pray. He wanted me to pray, and so that was kind of like making a sacrifice right there on the spot. And there's been some young men out there um, Every day, almost every day and they're out there smoking cigarettes and they're kind of just chilling around the spot where this young man was killed and they, they don't know what to do. And so we're gonna be engaging them as much as we can. You know, I mean, they look like tough kids, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, we're just gonna go up and engage them and hopefully talk to them about the love of God, take responsibility for our community. And I'm an elder in this community, not necessarily because I'm older, but as a spiritual leader, I'm I'm, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit led me to do that. Well, I did some research and I got a hold of his grand, the, the, the victim's grandmother and she gave me his mom's name and number. And so I've already sent out a message to her um, letting her know that our church would be glad to perform the funeral for free. And if they have any financial burden or needs, we, we would be glad to assist them in any way possible. And I just ex ex expressed you know, um, our heart towards her and to her family and that's, that's, I just want to say that this stuff is not just an ancient document that doesn't have any relevance for us today. In fact, it does have relevance. If we're to hear the Torah, the law of the Lord, and really listen, lean into the Holy Spirit, he's going to lead us into these very same practical principles that we read about. And I just think it's so profound. In fact, one time I was just thinking about this, how um, 
in our neighborhood, we had a young man who, who had committed uh, suicide. He killed himself and it was a block down from our street. And, um, and I used, the Lord led me to take walks in our neighborhood. And so uh, I did this and then my wife and I did this, but I would take prayer walks and I would do about every other day or so. And one time I was walking our neighborhood and I felt like the Lord was saying to me, I want you to take authority in your neighborhood, not authority over it as though I command anybody, but rather the, the kind of authority that we see in the Lordship of Jesus and how he would serve. He, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so I want you to, I want you to walk your neighborhood. I want you to pray. I want you to take authority in this neighborhood. And you have authority, spiritual authority in the arena of your love. And so as I did that, one day I was walking by the house where the young man had committed suicide. And there was this, uh, there was this young guy standing outside just staring at the house. And I walked up to him and I said, hey, how are you doing? And we started to have a dialogue. And I found out that he was one of the young man's friends that had taken his life. And I was able to encourage him in the Lord, strengthen him in the Lord. Well, anyways, I didn't realize that that guy was a friend of my oldest son. And uh, not only did I get to encourage him, but I got to hear about over the next year or two, his story about kind of coming back to the Lord. And it was, it was pretty redemptive to see that. But as the Lord led me to walk the neighborhood, one day I happened to walk by the house of, of that crime. And here's this other young man. I get to engage. And as I engage him, you know, eventually this is, the, this is a guy who has, you know, turned his life back over to the Lord. And I'm just saying to us, practically speaking, let's take responsibility for our community and not become numb. Now, I want to continue that conversation by reading a little bit more in Deuteronomy chapter 22. Now, listen to this. This is some other basic, these are some laws that God is giving to his people when they go into the promised land once again. And some of these are just very, very practical. And I, I want to read, um, I want to read just a little bit here. So bear with me. If you have your Bible, it's Deuteronomy uh, chapter 22. And this is what it says. You shall not see your countryman's ox or his sheep straying away. Now, I don't have an ox, but you know, you're going to have to think about it for your context, but we'll just first look at the text itself. You shall not see your countryman's ox or, your, or his sheep straying away and pay no attention to them. You shall certainly bring them back to your countrymen. Uh, the NIV says, do not ignore. It says it three times in this past. Do not ignore it, if you see it. If your countryman is not near you, or if you do not know him, then you shall bring it home to your house, and it shall remain with you until your countryman looks for it. And then you shall restore it to him. Thus you shall do with his donkey, and you shall do the same with his garment, and you shall do likewise with anything lost by your countrymen, which he has lost and you have found. You are not allowed to neglect them. You are not allowed to neglect them. You shall not see your countryman's donkey or his ox fallen down on the way and pay no attention to them. You shall certainly help him to raise them up. A woman shall not, oh, then he goes into some other stuff. A woman shall not wear a man's clothing, which we could actually talk about that quite a bit too, couldn't we? Um, Here's what I wanted to say about this passage. Here's the scenario, right? Each person has their own plot of land. Each person is gonna have, obviously, um, with that land, they're gonna have animals that are gonna help them cultivate the land and also animals that each person has to be raised up for food and otherwise. And so God specifically states in these practical laws that when you come upon your neighbor's ox or sheep or animal, you are not to neglect that. You are actually to take that animal back to your neighbor. And, and, and listen, that's, 
that's that's easier if you think about it we don't i don't have farm animals or anything like that but it's almost like saying if you find something that you know is your neighbors you know bring that to them and that's easy when you know your neighbor you love that person you know that person you, you obviously feel a responsibility to take care of that person to a degree but here's the deal he goes he goes further and he says even if you don't know that person you don't know where that ox or that sheep is from take it into your own house because the person that owns it is going to go looking for it and you'll have it when they come. This is taking responsibility for those that you know and also for those that you don't know. And I mean, this is what uh, it reminded me of, this collective community perspective that we are not simply just individuals trying to survive and do our thing. But there was something about God teaching his people, even putting it into the law, saying, I want you to behave in a certain way that, that brings an awareness to the other and not just to self, right? Isn't that what the law could be summed up is? To love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus was questioned about who the neighbor was, the neighbor was the person that took responsibility for what he saw. So Jesus brings a complete relevance to the Torah and specifically to Deuteronomy 22, verse one through four. When this is spoken of, you remember in Luke chapter six, I was reminded of this today where Jesus said that we were to treat people the way that we want to be treated. Right, That was the whole, people call it the golden rule today, but Jesus says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Where, where do we find that? We find that right here in Deuteronomy 22. That's what this law actually is saying, is that if you had an ox or you had a sheep or you had something and your neighbor came upon it, you would want them to bring that back to you. You would want them to help you in that way. You would want them to do something about what they saw because it would benefit you. But then you and you likewise would treat them the same way. Like this is what the law stipulates because there's a community awareness and it breaks the power of this individualism that just so hurts us in our community today. The selfishness, this is leading us to selflessness. So powerful. And I was thinking also, not only do we do unto others as we would have them do unto us, but in Luke 6, 32, Jesus goes on to saying, do not simply just love those that love you in return, for what good is that for you? But he goes on to talking about love people that will not or cannot love you in return. And, and that is actually what is written here in Deuteronomy 22. He's saying, if you come upon the ox or the sheep of your neighbor, take that back to him. But if you do not know the owner of the sheep, take it into your house so that when they come, that you will have that ready and available for them. Take care of people that you know and take care of people that you don't know. Because at some point in your life, you're gonna be that person that is not known as well. And this is the way a community is meant to function. That we are not just treating, scratching the back of people that we know, but we're loving people that we don't. Regardless, that can't love us back, won't love us back, or just don't have a context to do so. It's practical in every way. And I believe Jesus just further and further affirms this kind of living, this kind of lifestyle. And I just wanna do the same. In fact, he says three times in the NIV, 
to not ignore. And, and, and I was thinking about how easy it is to become numb. We can become numb to the things around us where we see something, but we don't say something. We see it, but we don't engage it. We don't take responsibility for it. I've done it. You've done it. And what the Torah tells us, and I believe Jesus affirms to us in in an old covenant context and a new covenant context, it is still the same because the law is written on our hearts, is to take responsibility for what we see because we are the people of God. And that means something in the way that we behave. Our heart attitude and disposition comes out through our actions towards our neighbor, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. This, this has got to look as practical as possible. For them, it was ox, it was sheep. For us, it could be a lot of other things. It could be mowing your neighbor's lawn. It could be taking care of people around you. It could be making people mindful of things that you see that they don't see or maybe they're not aware of. But this is what it's all about. It's all about us making him known by the way that we live. Isn't that what Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, let your light so shine among men that they would see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. People will glorify God around us when they see him flowing through us. And one of the ways that we hinder the flow of God in our lives, which brings glory to our heavenly Father, is by seeing something and not doing anything about it. It's neglect. It's spiritual neglect, it's practical neglect of our community, of, the, of serving the other, of loving the other. And in fact, it says right here, I read the New American Standard Version, and he says, you shall not do this. That is an imperative, that is an absolute command, if you ask me. You shall not do this. There's just something wrong about us as the people of God seeing something and doing nothing. And I just want, I just want to Uh, say that today, that one of the takeaways that we can have today, practically speaking, is that we can walk away from our devotion time just praying, oh God, give me a heart that is not numb. Give me a heart that is open, that is available, that is focused, that is considering the other, that is thinking about my neighbor, the ones I know, the ones I don't know, the ones that'll love me back, the ones that won't love me back. Give me a heart for this community And Lord, do not allow my eyes to go to the right or to the left when something is right in front of my face. Help me to be a person that shows forth the good deeds that would glorify you. And we can't just pray for revival to happen in our communities. We must pray and we must also act. It's a partnership. It's a combination of the two that truly bring glory to the God that we serve. Our heavenly father is revealed often in our practicality, in our simplicity. Not, not in our grandiose works, not in these big, amazing things. Sometimes it's just in taking care of someone's proverbial ox. I don't live in a farm, so I don't know what that means in Federal Way, Washington, but it means keeping my eyes open, keeping my heart open, being aware and being responsible. Now I wanna just, um, I simply wanna close right there, actually. I had a bunch of notes for 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, but I think I want to just keep it there today. Every day, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m., I'm just going to share my thoughts. I'm going to share my heart. Unscripted, um, I just basically write, this is what I do every day. I I read the word, and uh, and then I write in my journal, and this is what I do right here. This is what I do every day. I didn't do it for you. I do it for me, whether I'm doing daily word or not. 
And what I would encourage you to do, the reason that I journal, okay, is because the Bible says in Psalm 1, and it also says in Joshua, that we would meditate upon the word day and night, right? That we would meditate on God. Meditate means to consider deeply. It means to ponder. And for me, just knowing that I have this you know, mind that's going 100 miles an hour, one of the ways or the primary way that I meditate on God's word is I actually journal what I read. And so the things that touch my heart, the thing, the questions, I even journal questions that I can't answer right now, but I have to research. Instead of um, leaving that question in my mind, I write it out and it helps to clarify what's inside me. And I believe this is one of the easiest ways to meditate on God's word. If you're like me, your mind is full of so much stuff. And so to get that clarified and simplified, we have to write things down. In fact, when I listen to sermons and I'm not preaching, I always take notes, well, almost always take notes. And the reason I do it is not because I'm gonna keep my notes um, and look at them and look at them. It's because it gives me a level of retention. It causes me to consider and to ponder deeply. And I believe that it's a practice worthy of considering in, a, in the generation that we're in. It's easy to be distracted. It's easy to get numb and inoculated. And so I wanna lead people in practical principles that move us away from being scattered and move us toward being focused. And this is what I do. What I shared with you today is literally my thoughts. No sermonizing. I do this every single day, and I encourage you to do the same thing. And when you do this every single day, you have reams of journals. And I, I buy the nice journals because what I'm going to do is give all of these to my kids. When I pass, you know, I was, I've, had to, I've had this vision for some time. When I pass, I don't want my kids just to go through our clutter and have to decide what to throw away. I want them to, to have things that I specifically set apart for them as an inheritance, not just financially, but spiritually. I wanna give my kids an inheritance. And so I write, so that's why I try to write nicer so they can actually read it. Um, and that's why I put them in nicer journals with nicer paper. And so um, I'm, I'm not, not only am I trying to steward my knowledge of the word for my own life, but I also wanna write it out clearly so that my children will walk in a greater place than I could ever imagine. And so I just want to give you, I'm sharing that vision with you that this isn't about just a daily discipline. I'm not just trying to give you a daily discipline to give you a little more, more encouragement in your life. I believe that uh, reading the word, studying the word of God and, and observing and interpreting the word of God is not merely about getting a little encouragement today. It's about building a familiarity with God's heart, God's mind, God's character, so that when we live our life, we can discern his working in our lives. We can discern who he is, what he's doing, not only in our lives, but in the lives of other people. And we become a voice that is just built on the foundation of God's word everywhere we go and everything that we do. And it just becomes first nature. I wanna build a life so strong in the word that the way I live and the things that I say is just comes out of me. It just flows out of me. And, um, and I encourage you to do the same. That's why I'm doing the Daily Word Monday through Friday uh, at 8 a.m. And, and here's the deal. I could set this thing up better. I mean, you just see a blank wall. I, I, I don't know about all that. I, I want to just focus on the Word. I don't, I don't have a, uh, this is, I'm in my house. I don't have a nice setup. <laughs> I'm not going after that. I just want to go after the Word in prayer. Maybe I could get a little better at setting things up nicer. But all I really care about is, is His Word and 
having some time with anybody that's interested in joining me. So God bless you guys. I love you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.